0: Welcome to the Answers from Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lillone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. I'm excited to have Ralph Mayhew on the show today. Ralph understands what it means to intentionally influence and empower people. Over the last 18 years, he has led emerging, developing, and seasoned leaders in and out of church settings. Ralph, what else do you want our listeners to know about you? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Um, What else? Well, this morning, um,
1: I uh, was going to go out shark fishing, but I um, couldn't go because I hurt my ankle the other day training for a marathon. So my spare time is caught up in those two pursuits, which I, I love. Um, I've been married for 15 years uh, two days ago, which was really exciting to Lyndall, Um, and she's sort of a childhood sweetheart. We grew up together and and dated, Um, and we've got a daughter, Zari, who's a a firecracker. She's like a a hurricane all unto herself, Um, keeps us on our toes. She's two years old, Um, but then I'm a pastor, so I pastor people and work in a church, Um, authored a book, uh, do a bunch of blogging, um, and I just love People just love people seeing them become all they can become and um, being part of that journey with them. Awesome. And how did you become a leader? So basically, I think I fell into it. Um, when I was about 17, uh, I had a really significant uh, moment where my mum told me that I was a leader. Um, and it 's quite funny to look back on it, I, surely I should have been able to work that out, but no um, she, she had to tell me um, and I think the thing that gave it away was that people were following me. Um, I used to 've always kind of been creative um, and enjoy uh, new pursuits and innovation and moving that even when I was a kid and I found people would join me in that um, and so so I think there's there was this there 's always been a, a sense of um, I enjoy passion like becoming passionate about things that are worthy of that. And I think passion is contagious and it draws people along and into that. Um, and so one day mum decided to name it. Um, she, she said, hey, you, look, you know, you're a leader. Um, and it really um, it caught me off guard because I'd never understood myself as a leader. Um, but as a result, I thought, well, I looked at, my, looked at what was happening, 17 years old, I'm finishing high school, working out the rest of my life and realized, um, well, if I am, what does that mean? Like what responsibility do I have and how do I actually leverage this opportunity, this gift? Um, and so tried to tried to do that by, um, by um, helping others become the things that they wanted to become and in doing that, I guess I became the things that I wanted to become,
0: which was pretty cool. It's funny, though. I love how you mentioned that your mother had to tell you that you were a leader. You know, yeah. It, you know, I think we were talking a little bit before our chat about how you know, we don't always we, – we know what things are, but we don't always recognize it until we're made aware of it again.
1: Yeah, um, it's so true. I think it's just – I think every leader, every person has a responsibility to tell people who, who don't recognize things about themselves those things. You know, with this opportunity to encourage and cheer on and call out. And we tend to you know, you you, you see up and coming and emerging leaders and you're like, well of course they're a leader, but sometimes they don't even realise it. Um and I think it's so powerful when a when a leader or an older person just speaks that into to a person's life. It can be really well, for me it was life changing. I think it can be life changing for people. All right. Totally agree there. What does leadership look like to you? Yeah, I think um I mean, there's lots of technical answers in terms of like um, positive, intentional influence, but I think leadership looks like serving people to help them become who God wants them to become. Um, I think the trade-off there is is we have to sacrifice what we think they should become and what we hope they would become um, to adopt what God wants them to become. Um, and so in a lot of ways, we're facilitating um, pathways and opportunities and environments where people can encounter God. Um, And and whether that's whether you're serving people in in the local city or whether it's sitting in church or in a small group or in ministry, in a youth ministry, it doesn't matter. Um, But creating opportunities for people to say, ah, this is what God's calling me to and to to, um, grow in obedience to that. And encourage them along and, and cheer them along along the way. So I think in a lot of ways, it's um, it's intentional facilitation. It's, it's being intentional about it. It's having a vision that's bigger than us, but also bigger than them, inviting people to, well, join me in it. Let's go.
0: Let's go conquer this hill together. Great definition of leadership. And as we leave, we all face difficulties. Yeah. Would you care to share a difficulty or two that you've faced?
1: Oh, man, that's, it's a cracker of a question. I was thinking earlier. I was like, oh, there's been a few. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, I was uh, about 10 years ago, uh, maybe maybe long about 12 years ago, um, was diagnosed with clinical depression, which was uh, basically what happens. I got really sick and everything that I put value and security in, I couldn't do because um, I was in bed sick and that, I developed in, um, massive insecurity out of that and became depressed um, and that was kind of a, well, the best way to look at it is that this prison I was held in for a couple of years until there was some amazing things that took place to enable me to move out of that But what I realized in that is um, one of the difficulties every leader faces is their security. Like, what do we put our security in? Like, do we put it in God? Do we put it in Christ who is unchanging and who is forever um, secure and stable? Or do we put it in work or success or relationships or all those other things that are all good things, um, but they can't afford to define us because they have the tendency to, to ebb and flow and diminish and, and disappear. And when they do, they can leave you just in a, a complete mess. And so I think I learned that the really hard way. And um, I think a lot of the advice I give to leaders is like, don't don't let things get to that stage. Like pull up well before you get there because it's far easier to do the painful surgery beforehand than look at the devastation of when things have fallen to pieces and you're burnt out and a complete mess. Um, so I think that, that's that been pretty huge and, and something I've um, I'm well and truly out of that space now which is awesome, have been for years but um, yeah, there's, there's not a season ministry that goes by when I don't think, oh gosh, the things I learnt from that season that are so valuable moving forward um, I think there's other general things there's like you make decisions that people don't like even though they might be really good decisions uh, you're like oh come on and people end up not liking you or not liking what's going on I think that's tough um, I think when you're a leader people see you differently so there's something strange that takes place when they look at you and they they think oh you're the leader and, and you look at them and you're like we just make some good friends um, and so there's, there's something that shifts there which I think can be really um, difficult at times and I think one, one other that I really struggled through was um, the ugly word for it is Messiah complex, you know, that whole thing of we can save people and we can really help people and stop their disaster and uh, I just discovered that you can't. Jesus can, but I can't. And so it's how uh, I think that's a lot of um, the premise of my leadership of like if we can help people connect really strongly with Jesus um, in a vibrant, alive way and they can find obedience in that, um, it just brings so much life and change to their lives that I hope I could as a leader, but I'm just not that good. But I've realized no one is that
0: good. Like it just doesn't work that way. And, and I like that you hit on the Messiah complex because that leads kind of into my next question. You know, I'm a believer, and I know that you're a believer, and you know, we both consider ourselves leaders. Yeah. You know, like you said, that Messiah complex can can kind of rise up. Um, How can we reconcile being a leader, but also being a follower of God? Yeah, this is such a good
1: question. It's one I've wrestled with for ages, because I think um, when we look at leadership, so we cut away anything to do with faith, we just look at leadership. But the the thing that springs to mind in most people's heads, at least in mine, is is an A-type personality, Uh, usually a man, really um, really, uh, strong, um, determined, powerful, directive, demanding. And then you look at what the um, stereotypical view of a Christian is, and it's everything except that. Like it's meek and mild and sometimes compromising and too nice and gentle. So you have these two stereotypical images um, which don't come together. And so you're like, how can Christianity and leadership actually exist together? Um, But I think think they're brought together in this weird understanding that only exists in the scriptures and the gospels, that leadership is about death, it's about us leading to the death. It's about us leading in such a way that everything no longer becomes about us. It's like a dying to self, a relinquishing of ourselves and our ambitions and our desires and all of that and taking up gods. Um, I think that's how those two things are reconciled. Um, and you look at say in Corinthians where it talks about the, the gift of leadership. So there's this understanding that God gives a gift of leadership to people. So We must be able to somehow understand that dynamic and act in that dynamic. And I think the way to do that is realizing, well, this is a gift from God. And even when it's mine, it still belongs to God. It's still God's gift. So how do I steward that? And how do I use that to influence people so that it's about God and not about me? And my experience is that requires me to die (laughs) because I... As a human, you know I want stuff to be about me. I want people to look at me. I want people like, "Yay, Ralph! You're doing awesome." Um, but actually, I really want them to be like, "Yay, God! Like, you're awesome."
0: <laughs> so, yeah. And I know that you just had a book re- recently released called "The Anonymous Leader." Yeah, um, what's that all about? Yeah, it's um,
1: I-, I wanted to put a book in the in the hands of of leaders to help them really. Uh, grab hold of a Christian understanding or a biblical understanding of leadership and I know there's heaps and heaps of stuff out there I wanted to in a sense add something new to the conversation um, and I hope, I hope it's done that um, it kind of comes from the premise that um, that you as a Christian leader you can't lead a person um, unless you're being led by Christ um, and so in that space we are um, called to lead and uh, use our influence and align our influence to God. So when God is leading people, um, so when we are leading people, God is leading through us. So in a sense, um, we're given this opportunity by God to do do this. Um, and we can tend to want to influence people for our own glory or our own reward or our own benefit, even when we think and are compelled that, "No, no, no, this is for the sake of the kingdom. And I think, um, I think the Holy Spirit just wants to do some surgery on us to, to help us realize how much of us is in our leadership um, and what parts of us should remain and what parts of us should be taken out. Um, and John the Baptist is absolutely classic. And I talk about him in the book; like he was the man. He uh, like more of Christ than less of me. And I just look at him; and I'm like he did it brilliantly. He acted as this signpost to say this way to Jesus, this way to the Kingdom of God. And that's I think this really good uh, metaphor for the book that as, as leaders, we're to become anonymous. It's not about us. We're the signpost that's forgotten as people reach their destination, but people need the signpost in order to find the destination. Um, I think that kind of grabs hold of what this idea of anonymous leadership is about. And your book touches on leaders having character.
0: Yep. Why is it important that leaders have a good character among those they lead?
1: I think character is everything in leadership, like absolutely everything. Um, I think people gradually stop following you if you don't have character. Um, uh, they'll they'll follow you to start off with because they trust the space that you occupy. They don't trust you. They don't know you, right? So you stand up and you're leading them and they, they trust you. Um, but it's actually they trust in the hope that you represent, that they want to be led forward in that particular thing. And so your role as a leader is to either build trust or you can bankrupt trust. And you build trust by character and so you build trust by being reliable and following through and being authentic and integral and, and all those things being truthful and leading people forward um the paul talked about um for we need to live lives that are um, like imitate me as i imitate christ and i'm like oh man that is like a high challenge imitate me would I really want people imitating me Um, but I think Paul the essence of Paul's call to that is it's not about us it's about Jesus and so people need to look at us and be able to see Christ and character flaws blur that and and dilute that so I think when our character is fine tuned to the character of Christ when people look at us they can see Jesus more clearly and they can
0: be led by him we both know that nobody's perfect and we all have our character flaws so Um, true what can we do to improve our character if, if we struggle with those areas?
1: Yeah, I reckon um, there's probably a bunch of things you can do. I think the most powerful thing is to find uh, a mirror, like find a person who's a great mirror. So someone who um, is wise, who knows you, who will not, um, not soften or um, take away from the truth that you might need to hear. And be willing to risk and trust in that space and just say, hey, look, are there areas of my life that have big question marks over them? Are there, are there things I'm doing or things you've seen that are just in, incongruent with what I say? Um, am I acting in ways that would lead people away? from the message that I'm trying to instill Um, so I think that's one Um, and I think the other is, um, I talk a little bit about it in the book finding a chair time, so basically time every day where we spend um, time in prayer and reflection with Christ, Um, because I think when you hang out with Jesus, the more you hang out with him, the more you realise how imperfect you are, and the more um, he is able to cast the spotlight on those areas that you need to develop and you need to strengthen and and work on, Um, and, and the more he's able to have permission to do that in your life. Um, I think to do one, if you just spend time in the chair with Jesus, you can be blind to things because of our our psyches, the way we sort of get up. Um, But then to do the other, just to spend time with somebody who's wise and get them to to shift, um, we can feel so um, debilitating and disempowered. It's like, oh man, how do I ever fix that mess I'm in or that habit I've got or this dysfunction about me? And I think that's where spending time with Christ actually
0: helps us to take place. Yeah, I love those suggestions. And, you know, we might struggle being able to find somebody that can help, you know, be that mirror to us. Do you have any suggestions to help us find somebody like that? Great, great question. I think um, everybody
1: has those people that they admire, that they respect. Um, I think it's worth the ask, um, even if that person's someone that they, they just perhaps they listen to sermons through podcasts or they've read a book about or whatever, I think it's worth the ask. It might be someone that you just rub shoulders with and you you don't really know them and you think, oh, this would be embarrassing, um, but but asking them. But I think another thing is reading reading books about spiritual development and um, like anything by Dallas Willard, for example, that guy. I was crazy he was just like get to the root of the matter in a second kind of puts his finger right on your heart um, so I think reading books like that or uh, by, by the, the theological greats the, the great writers who have done a lot about spiritual um, discernment and spiritual growth and, and all of that I think you can't read one of those books and not come away thinking oh I've just been smashed I've got to go address this in my life or fix this or you think you're devoted before you read it and the last page you realize Am I even a Christian? Oh, I'm gonna sort this out. So yeah, I think um, I think yeah,
0: have finding access to great books. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's what I, That's what I put forward. To. So so it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific person. It can actually be books as well. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: reckon and, and
1: podcasts.
0: Um, uh, I think for some
1: people it's. Um, it might be hard to find that, that one person. Um, I mean, you start with your best friend or your, your wife. Um, you would to be careful with that though, <laughs> to ask your wife or your husband, can you show me all the um, issues that are wrong in my character? Uh, I need a bulletproof vest. But um, I think, yeah, asking people that you think they're going to be honest um, and put it out. But books books are so good, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, sometimes people get, um, this get a bit off track, but people read a book and they're like, well, I've started so I need to finish. And they slog their way through, but they don't enjoy getting anything out of it. I think, you know, you, those books, you just need to put aside and pick up another one and try again. So when it comes to character development, if you're
0: thinking, oh, I'm not getting stirred or challenged by this at all, that's right. Just put it down. Find another one. Good advice on reading books. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting what you need out of it and then moving on. Yeah, yeah. Leadership is costly, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I think it costs everything. and. And that sounds a bit morbid. Sounds like why would anyone want to do it if it costs everything? But I was reflecting. I was like, all right. So it costs you spiritually and financially, usually, and emotionally, because you're worried about people psychologically. Because you're using headspace to to solve problems, and that um, physically, because you've got to be there. Your time, your relationships all slightly change. Um, your pride. I think it costs us in every way. And I think um, I think in the cost there is this wonderful reward. Of, of having the privilege to influence people, having the privilege to impact people's lives, to see them. We kind of get front row seats to people's lives being changed, but it kind of comes with the cost and the cost is everything. Um, so I think it's worth paying, but I think some people only pay half of it and they get ripped off. They're like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought. And they've only paid half of it and they get stuck in this in-between space. And that can be really hard for them. Um, and often I see I see leaders fall out of the, the race and sort of slip to the side because of that dynamic that they they paid so much. But if they just just trusted God with everything and said, all right, God, this is your deal. I just want to trust you with everything, the reward would be amazing. Um, but, yeah, and, and, and when I say cost, you know, you've still got to rest. you still got to play. Still, got to recreate and hang out with friends and do all those things. But I think, on a really deep level, it's that it's that what it costs you is saying, My life's no longer about me, it's about what Jesus wants to do through me. Um, and yeah, being
0: willing to come to terms with that. Well, there's a lot of talk about platforms with leaders. Do you think, as leaders, we should have a platform? I think every leader is given a platform by
1: God, like every leader. Um, and and the, the role of a leader isn't to grow your platform or expand your platform or anything like that. It's to steward this platform, this gift God's given you. Because because it's God's platform, everything that God wants to achieve, he wants to achieve from his platform. And so he uses us to do that. So it's sort of like this um, metaphorical real estate that we um, we have been entrusted with, but it's still on loan from God. So God can actually take it back anytime he wants um, and I think that's where this idea of anonymity comes in, of like, oh, it's not about me I'm meant to occupy the platform in such a way that when people look at me, they see Jesus and I'm anonymous in this whole deal um, I think the leader who doesn't do that, the leader that jumps on the platform um, that God gives and says hey, look look what I can achieve now and look at all the people looking at me and what do they think about me and how amazing am I and look at the difference I'm making it, it's only a matter of time until they fall off the platform um, and we, you see it all the time, and I think that fall is a long, painful fall for people to take. Um, yeah, so um, I think the best, best understanding of platform is well, it's actually God's platform that I've been entrusted with. How do I, how do I steward this platform
0: if this is God's platform? What does that mean? I love that. It's a platform, but it's not ours. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. God's, you know. How do you keep your focus on that rather than, you know, letting your ego get in the way yeah. and you start going to my it's platform? No, not God. It's such a good question. I think having um having sort of markers
1: along the way of um so for example in the in the book I talk about um uh, tensions between five components of every leader that every leader has. And so, for example, the first one's passion. And if my passion is about um, growing the kingdom and, and uh, building God's platform, it moves toward wisdom. Um, but if I'm just doing it for my sake, I'm being reckless and I'm just doing what I want to do, what I want to think. And so in my head, I've always got this constant thing of when a decision comes up or when I react to something, I'm like, is this a reckless decision or a reckless response or a wise response and a wise decision? That helps me realize and 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 gravitate toward, well, this is God's platform. Um, so, for example, opportunities will come up, the eel. um I had a situation the other day um, I was sharing you about a little while ago where I got invited to speak at a regular radio station, like to do some preaching and stuff. And I, I analyzed this whole thing and I prayed through it and I realized that the only reason I'd be doing it is to get my name out there. And I'm like, I, I can't that's that's not cool like it was this this idea of going hang on i'm using i would be using the word of god and preaching to make sure more people knew who i was like that's not what god wants me to do and and on the flip side of that I, i didn't feel any sort of pull or compulsion or desire spiritually to step into that space and so i politely declined and there's been a peace that's maintained in that um and I could probably tell you a thousand other options, where I've mucked it up because <laughs> I think, as you say, you know, we're, we're none of us are, are, are perfect. Um, but I think it's those work out what the checks are and keep your checks and balances in your life. Um, and every leader, um, just because of, of who we are, struggles with that. Is it about me or is it about God or where are my motives? Um, so it's a natural struggle. Like I think the first place is to go, oh, yeah, this is normal. Um, but then what do I do with it and, and how do I move forward on
0: it? Yeah. And I know we mentioned your book already, The Anonymous Leader, and you yep. mentioned Dallas Willard and some theological greats. But I always like to ask this question. Can you recommend one or two other books um, that a leader should read?
1: Yeah. I, I, so, there's, there's three that I, at the moment, I'm recommending to everybody. Like, read these books. Um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, he basically talks about understand the why of everything and you know you're, and you're automatically catapulted into understanding vision and communicating. It's just brilliant. Um, there's this guy, this other book um, by Greg McEwen called Essentialism, which is basically what's essential and should you be doing? Stop doing everything else. Um, I think one of the greatest um, challenges a leader faces is becoming as effective as they can be because they're doing all stuff that's good but not really great. Um, uh, there's a book by Richard Davis, which I just 100% um, uh, uh, would would um, suggest or recommend. It's called The Intangibles of Leadership. Um, basically, he takes 10 chapters and looks through 10 different things that are absolutely essential to excellent leadership. Um, so, that, so that's been – I've read that a chapter at a time. It's like you read a chapter at a time, you're like, oh, man, I've got so much work to do on this, this one thing. Um, and then a couple of the others, so um, – I know you said one or two, but um, (laughs) there's Soul Keeping by John Altberg. Like, such a good first aid for the soul. Like, I highly recommend it. Um, Spiritual Leadership by the Blackaby Brothers. It's just solid. Um, Just, yeah, captures the heart of what leadership is to God. And then, yeah, Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart. Um, Willard's so dense and brilliant. Like, yeah, you read a sentence and you're like, I've got to think on that for a few minutes. Um, But if you can sort of chew your way through it um, it's yeah so good for
0: your soul awesome yeah I know yeah. Start With Why I've, I've listened to and I've read Essentialism this past summer and, awesome you know that book blew me away Start With Why I was yes. just like wow
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: so I haven't read the other recommendations you gave but you know if, if they're anything like those two they've got to be yeah. good <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah Intangibles of Leadership like it's the number one book I recommend on Leadership at the moment like yeah get get into that awesome
0: final question do you have anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today
1: i think uh, serving jesus is the most beautiful thing you can do with your life um and uh, and i think stewarding your life so it moves to that place is is just the the most beneficial thing that when you look back on your years and i'm like i'm not i haven't got a lot of years to look back on but when you look back on your years i'd love it to say like wow i got to just walk with Christ and walk at his pace. I think leaders tend to, I I have, tend to run ahead. Um, So I keep in pace with Christ. And I had this thought the other day. So I I passed a a heap of like 20-somethings and do a bunch of leadership and strategy and that kind of thing. I had this thought the other day. I'm like, the one thing that I would love to put me out of a job is if everybody I care for just put the daily practice in of listening to Jesus and just obeying what he did. Because I think if all of us as leaders and as, as Christians uh, would do that, so much stuff would just take care of itself. Um, and, yeah, I'd be out of a job, but
0: that would be the coolest reason ever to be out of a job, I think. Thanks for being on the show today, Ralph. Where can listeners find you online?
1: Yep. So, uh, so the book's available at um, www.theanonymousleader.com. Um, and I blog at ralphmayhew.com And so you can um, come check me out there and sign up if you like and join the journey. That would be awesome to get to know some of your listeners. And, um, and yeah, it's been awesome to get
0: to know you, Joe. I really appreciate it. And, uh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'll, I'll make sure to have those web addresses linked up in the show notes. And I look forward to you know, sharing your message with the listeners. Unreal. Thanks. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's Answers from Leadership podcast episode with Ralph Mayhew. After recording this episode, I was excited to hear that Ralph's book, The Anonymous Leader, had been shortlisted for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. How exciting is that? Not only that, Ralph wanted to give you a chance to get his book for free. That's why he sent me two copies to give away to two lucky listeners. To enter for your chance to win The Anonymous Leader, go to jmlalone.com 017. There you'll be able to submit your name to the giveaway. At that link, you'll also find the show notes for today's podcast episode, along with links to the books Ralph mentioned, tweetable quotes from the episode, and links to the show on iTunes. I would be honored if you'd take a minute or two to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Doing so helps the show's visibility and allows other leaders to find it. Well, until next time, continue to lead well.